What's going on, everyone? It's Justin here, and welcome back to the Featured Podcast. And today, we have a guest from the McLaren Formula One team. He is the head of video and content, Henrik. As someone like myself who became a huge Formula One fan after seeing Netflix's Drive to Survive documentary, I really want to interview someone who is within that video space of a sport that I've become a huge fan of through content. Henrik does an amazing job, and I believe that McLaren is one of the most future-focused companies on the grid right now when it comes to video content and cinematography. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to him about his path to being a Formula One videographer and his career as a filmmaker, what he plans to do in the future, a day in life of an F1 weekend, which sounds very hectic from his behind the scenes videos, and just like the content direction of where the sport is heading and what he wants to do after that. But before we get started, I would really appreciate if you guys left a review over on Apple Podcasts. It would help us a lot, but let's just jump right into it. Yeah, so uh, today we're joined with Henrik. Uh, How do we pronounce your last name? Ringner. I mean, if I'm going to say it in Swedish, it's going to be Ringner. And I've got a pretty, <laughs> you know, kind of Southern accent, but um, you can call it Ringner. So like a English version of it. And how old are you? I'm 25 years old. 25. I'm going to turn 26 this year. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to let you introduce yourself, talk about how you got into video yep. and, um, and kind of the path into Formula One and how that all uh, came. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, well, first of all, I'm I'm from Sweden and um, I've lived in London now for three years. I I got to London because I wanted to go to film school, so that's how I first got here. Um, and I right now I work as a creative producer at McLaren, so I kind of oversee the video content strategy for McLaren Racing. Um, there are actually four companies, so there's Racing, Applied, Group, and Automotive. And I oversee the video content for group applied and racing and specifically Formula One racing. And that kind of includes the creative direction and the day-to-day production of the video content that goes out on the social and digital channels. So that's kind of my my speciality. That's what I do. And how I got into it, where should I start? I think, yeah, it's a long story, but we have time. So um I think it began straight after high school. I I didn't know what I wanted to do. At the time, I hadn't even picked up a camera. I didn't do any photography. Really? I I was zero experience, like nothing. <laughs> um, I had didn't even I didn't even have a camera at the time. So I I loved film though. I loved watching movies. Um, so I kind of I, I think as most people do after high school, you don't know what you want to do really. Um, and there are so many different ways to go. And I think Sweden is one of those places that is um, very forgiving in the way that you kind of, you're not forced into anything, at least most people. Um, and you can sort of, you can go working or you can study or take a year off travel. You know, you have a lot of options and there's not too much pressure on that um, to start studying straight away. So I sort of started thinking and I, I, I loved movies. So I, I thought, how, how do I, how do you create a film? Like, <laughs> what goes into it? And with no experience, I, I started looking at maybe, maybe I, I want to be an actor. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, but I wanted to sort of explore it. Yeah. So I started being extras at short films, uh, commercials, and that's when I sort of discovered, wow, there's actually a big production behind the camera. There's a yeah. lot of people. And there's so much work that goes into it and you're sort of blown away. You don't understand what all these people are doing. It's like some people hanging lights, another one doing audio. There's 
some director and there's another director just taking care of the extras. You know, there's so many people. And depending on the production, it could scale up and it can be really big. But that sort of opened up my eyes and it kind of realized that, oh, it's actually behind the camera. That's pretty cool. So that kind of took me on the journey where I where I am kind of right now. But it, I, I just figured I just need to buy a camera and I need to explore what this is. Like, what is this medium of creating films and how do you do this? How do you create a video? I didn't have any editing experience. So I, I got an editing software. So I, I had a, had a job at the time and I, I just saved up money until I could buy a super cheap camera. So I bought a um, Canon 70D, which was at the time that w- it wasn't the lowest range, yeah. but I just said, if I want to do this, let me buy an okay camera. And to me now, I mean, I don't even use a Canon 70D, but for me <laughs> at the time, it was so big. It was yeah. like a, a super complex camera and all these settings and be- menus and buttons. Even the Rebel so line, I, I remember back in the day. The yeah, T2i, yeah. T3i, 60D, uh, and the 5D looked like the Holy Grail that was so distant uh, away know, at the time. But those are kind of the, the cameras that you can, in the beginning, actually reach. Because yeah. if you go up to Reds and, <laughs> and Alexa, you know, those are, you're in a different realm and you're, it's so complicated. So you can't really access them. And, you know, obviously the, the financial issue with buying those as well. It's yeah, super for sure. expensive. So I got a camera and that's where I just started shooting. So I went on trips with my, my friends I went on vacations and I just brought my camera. I took photos. I didn't do too much, but I just started. I just started filming. I started taking pictures. I got an editing software and I just started editing. I started with Final Cut and now I'm sort of doing Premiere Pro. But in the beginning, I just wanted to do it so that I, that I, I wanted to explore if this is something that I'm interested in. Yeah. And that just, that passion just grew and it just, it sparked something and it just escalated very quickly and I never stopped. That's why I'm here, you know, yeah. five, six years later, I'm still here. I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still creating, even on my spare time. I, I love doing it. When I go on vacations, I love taking my camera. I, I always bring it. So it's, it's, it's funny how one of those moments of just testing something out can spark something that, that just grows so quickly. So I think that's how I got into it. And that just slowly, I slow, slowly ramped up. So I did stuff for myself. I took some photos. I, I did a few travels, you know, travel films. They're not that great, but I still have them. You know, I love looking at my old content and um, that I don't think is great now, but at the time I, lo- I thought it was the best, th- best thing ever. And, um, and then I actually offered my, my services for free. Yeah. So I told people I found this. Um, actually, I went back to my old high school and they, they have like a rugby um, event for each year between different high schools. So there's like a rugby indoors rugby event. And I did the after movie for that event. So that was one of the first films that I did. I did it for free. I just said, you know, I just want to do it. Uh, it would be super fun. And that that's how I got into actually working with either companies or organizations just to have more credibility what I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. Just so you can showcase that, oh, actually, I work with this company or actually I work with this this person and I added that to my show wheel. And that just, you know, offering those free services and just doing is taking every opportunity that I had and eventually getting paid, you know, getting paid a hundred bucks doing something or 200 bucks and then it was 500, a grand and, you, and it just builds on that. And it just takes time and a lot of, a lot of um, effort because 
now that I, the amount of time I spent on that production that I got a hundred bucks from, I realize now I spent so much time on it. And I, you know, the value that client got for those hundred bucks was insane. Yeah. But I just, I had nothing else. You know, if you don't have anything to show or, or if that's your price, then just do the work and it's going sure. to grow from there. Um, <clears throat> and, and then I also worked at a super small production company that where I was like an assistant director and they taught me very sort of the basic sliding, the basics camera work, the basic sort of editing I did. I sort of fired, uh, took the rushes and I kind of organized them in, in for their productions. And, you know, that taught me a little bit of organization and sort of what, what it takes to get paid to do this. Um, and then that just kept going until I applied for a job at Sony Mobile. Um, and I, I worked as a, as a video editor at Sony Mobile for, I'm just firing through this um, story a little bit quicker, but I, I spent a year and a half as a video editor for Sony Mobile. And then I, I knew at that time that, okay, I want to go to a bigger um, city so that I, there's a big industry. Basically, there's more opportunities. And that that's when I, I decided to either move to London or New York. And I applied for different schools. And I London is closer to Sweden. So I picked London. And that's when I when I actually got there because I, I through this whole process of me doing all these projects and all these smaller productions, I I understood or I knew that I I had to go somewhere. I, there there has to be some kind of end goal to this all these kind of free projects and all this free work. And that was film school at the time because I felt like okay, if I make that step, there's almost like a milestone, and that can that that can then bring me to the next level and I didn't just want to go into you know film school cold turkey because I wanted to actually experience how it is to work as a video editor or a videographer before I went into film school and spent all that money uh, but when I actually got to film school I realized that that was never what I I, I think the pace that I, I was at at that moment my pace and the 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 hunger for me to learn was didn't wasn't met with film school. Yeah. I felt that I could learn more and I had to sort of find freelance work while I was at school, outside of school, because I, I wanted to do more. It was well, the same with me in business school actually. It just felt like yeah. it was it was too slow a pace when the real world experience within the same amount of time was yeah. infinitely bigger and you would like you wouldn't know what the end like what that end of the four years would be yeah. compared to when you go to school, you know you're gonna get the piece of paper at the yeah. end of that. Exactly. So that's, I mean, that's super difficult. It's, I've had people asking me that question, like, should I go to film school or not? Yeah. I I don't know what the answer is really, because it's so individual. I, I sure. always say like education is plan A. Always go for education. Like if you, it's a if you yeah, it's such a, it's such a good path. You, the, the thing is you, the only thing that should matter is learning. Like you should, you yeah. should focus on learning and getting better. And, and school is where you learn, you get better, but there are also other places where you can learn. There are other places where you can get better. So explore, always sort of go for learning. And, and if, if film school is, film school is, I'm sure it's great for other people, for certain people. For me, it wasn't at the time, but you know, it, it's always about the, the learning and, you know, 
pursuing yourself and sort of investing time in yourself so you can get better. And, and I'm sure, you know, like you're saying, other people, people can relate. Um, but you, you sort of gotta follow your own path and follow your own heart and sort of see what works best for you. And if you find yourself in school and it's not great, then maybe there are other paths or just, you know, if you have, if you want to be a doctor, you have to go to school. But yeah. film is such a, you know, it's such an abstract, creative kind of, for sure. You know, it's not that it's not so linear, or you need to have school to kind of um, continue. Um, so that takes me to the moment where I, after six months, um, I I had done some freelance work and I had done some work outside of school, and that that's when I realized that I could I, my my work was kind of sought after, and I had a portfolio, I, I had some experience, and people wanted to work with me, so that gave me the courage to sort of take the risk and leave film school, and that's when I ended up at McLaren. So at the time, sort of when I had the so I, I went for a, a three year degree, but I ended up just taking a um, certificate, just finished those six months. And then uh, at the sort of last month of me being in school, I just applied for so many jobs. Um, I just wanted to find work in London. I kind of had that moment of either it's like, um, it's almost like fight or flight. Uh, I could go back to Sweden and I can sort of step back and think, or it's just moving forward and just go for it. And at the time I I felt like I I, I had done so much to go come to a big city where there are big opportunities. So I, I just had to jump and I just applied for so many jobs, film production jobs, because that is why I came there. So if I could achieve that, that was a big one. And I didn't know that McLaren would find interest and sort of the rest is history. I'm two, two, two years and three months later, I'm, I'm still at McLaren. Yeah. It's like, um, Cause yeah, that path is definitely a, a cool story. Cause actually our previous guest is a, is a Netflix actor. Um, he was in Riverdale and lost in space and uh, people are often either on the acting side or they're on the production side and they don't really yeah. like the people who are acting don't really know uh, what goes on the other side. And he was telling us how the crews are like 150 people. In some cases they're in the middle of nowhere and everybody just knows what they're doing. Whereas in the YouTube side, I've always been used to trying to do a little bit of everything on my own and occasionally yeah. having some help. Um, but yeah, I think the, the point of film school, uh, how you already had experience before that and you built up that portfolio from working for free yeah. that it's just as valuable as kind of in some cases people go to film school for, for connections. Sure. Uh, so I think that's a, that's in art, in artistic fields and also in business, people often debate whether or not it's really needed. And obviously there are some industries where you have to uh, law school, um, yeah. doctors, but yeah, film school and, uh, and entrepreneurship is often, uh, like you kind of have to see where you're at and what you have done before that and yeah. figure out which direction is best for you. Um, in my case, I was always bad at school to start with and that was the same yeah. university. So I left at around the third end of the third year as well and just went full time. And I found that the learning process within the, the last, 18 months has been much faster than um wow. uh and things are changing so fast in this industry like yeah. even formula one um one of the questions i was going to ask you later on was actually uh in just the last few years formula one and their approach to media social media video content has changed a lot i feel like um, oh, yeah. just looking back at like so the much. old content and when liberty took over it felt like they really elevated themselves to being some of the best content producers in all of sports. Uh, every league's a little bit different in the way they approach it. Hockey, I would almost argue, is a bit behind in its like mm. marketing and and uh, video engagement. But 
I think the next one sort of correlates to the video uh, that you created. Uh, what is like a a day in life or a race weekend in life of a McLaren yeah. videographer? Because it, it does look kind of hectic. Uh, you got the <laughs> practice is. days and you got the race days. You got to edit and yeah. you have some deadlines. So what is like sort of the the day in life um, of Henrik? Um, yeah, I mean, it is very hectic and there is a lot of traveling involved, which yeah. is uh, both time consuming, but also energy consuming. Yeah. It takes a lot of your How many flights did you do travel. last year? Uh, last year I did, uh, I think I did 19 races last year. 19 races. So that yeah, would be. So there was 21, but I also, I went to Indy 500 actually. So instead oh, of nice. doing Monaco, I went to Indy 500 and then I went to a few other places for like tests and yeah. uh, that, but it was 19 or maybe it was 18 races, 18, 19 races, which is a lot. Um, and it takes a lot of your social life as well. You know, it, <laughs> it, it consumes just going back and forth to these places, you know, you know, you spend, it ends up being days on planes yeah. just throughout the whole year because you, you got to go places and you got to see things. But to me, you know, all that is, that's the, that's a part of the job. You yeah. know, it, there's, there's so many bigger positives and the good things outweigh the bad things by far. For sure. And that is why you, all you have to focus on. It does strain your energy. It is time consuming, but that's a part of it. You know, if you, if you want to do this, if you want to experience it, that's, yeah. that's what you got to go through. And, and I love it. So a day in the life is kind of like we, we sort of look at each weekend as there are different stories to each weekend. And we have a, we have a big digital team or I don't know if it's big, but we're 12, 13 people oh, in wow. the digital team at McLaren. Um, there, we have two video people and then the rest does different things such as strategy, you know, CRM, social, and, you know, shout out to them. They're some of the most incredible, hardworking people that I've ever met. And, I'm, I'm you know, they're super talented and I, I, I get so much energy and motivation from just working with them. Um, and they are a huge part of everything, you know, that I do, but everything that you see on McLaren's channels, this is the team and they're superstars, all of them. So we kind of, we together, we look at each weekend and we sort of prepare a plan for how this week weekend is going to look like. And we look at where, what, where is the race? What's the location? Um, do we have any partners that are kind of tied to that region or that um, market? So it could be one example is we have a Spanish driver. So Carlos Sainz oh, and Sainz. we have Estrella Galicia, Galicia which is, a, you know, a Spanish beer and they, they are tied to that market. You know, that's a natural thing. So we, we perhaps do a lot with them and we, you know, sort of push their brand a little bit more. So it, so it all depends, yeah. but we look at that, so, you know, sort of the overview and then the tra traveling starts. So, you know, I or, or someone in the team, we, we head out and, you know, depending on where you need to go, you, you leave the Sunday before the race or in the middle of the week, if it's in Europe, it's a shorter flight. Yeah. And what's then, the furthest flight and then, you have to do each year? Uh, Australia. Australia. That's 28 hours. 28 hours. Uh, I think I looked it up from, uh, from where I live. It's going to be like 20, 30 hours. But then I also looked at <laughs> Middle East and in some cases there is only I like mean, two flights a week. <laughs> yeah. It's four. I mean, it's really four. It <laughs> is, it's tough because it's, it's usually 12, 13 hours and then you stop and, and then your you time have like change. two, three hour layover and then you have 12, 13 hours 
again and then there's 12 hour you know time change so <laughs> when you land you're like where am i what day is it what time is it? you're completely confused um so that's the that's a tough one but you know australia is beautiful i yeah. i um i want to i want to go there i want to explore more of australia but um so that you know we start traveling and then then the weekend starts off and i don't know how much your your audience knows about formula one but formula one is uh, like a four week day weekend so you have thursday friday saturday sunday and then thursday is media day so we do all the tv interviews and photo shoots journalists do interviews on you know written interviews and any other partner requests that perhaps the our partners or that we as the team have for our drivers so we do sort of try to record everything before the weekend so we so we don't disturb the drivers when we sort of get closer to racing and yeah. qualifying and then you have friday which is two testing days so they head out to track with engineers and we sort of prepare the car and we, we test the track and see how which tires are good and you know you do all that they have friday which is or saturday um which is testing and qualifying and then you have the race on on sunday so, you know, they're very long days. Each day you sort of wake up super early and you go, go to bed very late because you have to edit. So you capture everything on the day and then all of that, like you're, you've, you know, you as a YouTuber and digital creator, you know, things have to go out very quickly. So you can't yeah. sit there and perfect your art. You don't have that luxury. So you, so you sort of got to go through adjustment layer lots and yeah yeah, yeah. it's just got to be super quick so as have, tempting you know, as it is I to have, grade each clip individually i'm sure you have way yeah, more that, footage than we do though on each shoot you know because that's the thing as well um you know it's a it's a live event so yeah. you you can't prepare anything you can't sort of we have a schedule and we sort of know what we want to do yeah but it's like you know it's happening live things happen things change schedule move around it's raining it's not raining weather you know the race it's a it's a race we're there to race yeah but i'm trying to doc document and sort of give you the view of of me as a creator i'm trying to sort of project what what it would be like for a fan to be at track yeah um because we at mclaren we sort of put our fans front and center we try to give because they are the they they are the reason why we can go racing they are sort of the core of everything and we we i try to document everything in that container where we can sort of give them that experience I'm, and i'm trying to be it's almost like you're a part of the team i'm trying to be that for sure get that emotion of how it feels like being inside the room um so that's why we do view. a lot of the sorry go ahead you've, you've got the best view yeah exactly so you know that's also the kind of the luxury of it because i i get to go almost everywhere and i i got a I got to share that to the world. I feel like I love documenting like the stuff we have on our hard drives. We have, you know, every year there's like 30, 40 terabytes, just like behind the scenes content that we just back up and having that backed up, like whew, we can go through so much. Do and, you have to back it up or does someone on the team? Uh, cause I struggle with, yeah. with file management just cause like shooting in 4k and 6k. Oh, I'm not sure if you guys shoot like 1080 or 4k or if you shoot raw, um, but the file sizes are just like, and especially with certain cameras, like, the red you can't view the files in finder you got to import them and see like the weird codes and everything um so i could only imagine uh how the backup process works uh, do, you, do you do that yourself or do you hand them off to somebody who backs it up the first time and then you take the day footage home yeah. and edit it um, so yeah we we don't have the luxury of having people that can back it up 
because oh, wow. we are obviously, we are on the road you know we yeah. that takes me into sort of the the kit that i choose to travel with because everything is kind of reliant on how the weekend looks like you you know you cannot do everything that you would do in a production we do that when we shoot so i don't only go to races i also create content back in, yeah. in the headquarters in london so you know, when we have bigger productions and we actually have the time, then we actually shoot in, in raw and we can color grade and we can back everything up and, you know, sound design everything properly. And these bigger productions, I love creating them and I love sort of diving into them because they are usually very rare and we don't create too many of them because Formula One is such a fast-paced environment. And um, But at the races... We, I have to do everything myself. So I have to back everything up myself. I have to, um, you know, orga- organize it. I need to I also choose. Do I want to shoot in 4K and spend that extra time to, you know, load it into the hard drive and it's going to take even longer to edit? <laughs> and always when I do shoot in 4K, I have to proxy all the footage. So I usually do that overnight from Thursday to Friday because I, I can't edit it. In raw, you know, in full 4K files, or do I want to shoot in 1080 because it's it's easier for me to use. So sometimes I just swap in between depending on what I do. If if there's like a longer piece where they have where the drivers are just talking, I usually shoot 1080 because yeah. it's it's easier for me to just press record and just let it roll for 10 minutes. But having a 10 minute speaking bit where they in 4k that's going to just going to consume my sd card and on the so 1dx2 to... the 4k was also a nightmare of a file format oh my god motion jpeg we used that for three years um and everywhere around the world it was shot in motion jpeg 4k yeah. 60 and it was just um thank god for the for the new model um that they started switching up the file file format yeah. but i think i saw you were using uh you're using the canon cinema line right so i'm using yeah so i'm using i'm actually using the 1dx so I'm using okay. the one day. Yeah, I saw two. that one in some of the BTS. Mass, massive uh, file sizes. Like that is a big, you know, I have, now that we talk about it, I have storage issues. So I got to solve that this <laughs> year. But, um, and yeah, I use the Canon um, L-series. So I, I try to, so, you know, it depends a little bit on what we shoot on. But, but when, I, when I'm at the track, my sort of go-to is the 1DX, I have the 24 to 70, uh, 2.8. And then I have the 1635. So yeah. that's kind of how I can do wide angle, you know, get close to the action, but also have a little bit of uh, space, but not like a zoom lens. Because if things change so quickly, you know, I sometimes I want to zoom in and I want to be close to something, but then something can happen and, and I need to kind of go yeah. close because it's very loud in the garage. So I've got, got to go really closer so you can hear the audio. So that's when I want a really wide, wide lens. So, you know, Sometimes I bring the 70 to 200 just to have that kind of artsy, cool. It's such a different look with that zoom lens. But otherwise, I try to do the 24 to 70 or the 1635 because that is kind of, you can you can get everything with that. Yeah. So like after, a, say after like a filming day, um, is there like a certain like dinner time? And then what's your sort of editing schedule? I remember in the day in life video, it looked like you're editing quite late yeah. into yeah. the night. And especially when there's a, a four day weekend um, and the race is on the last day. Do you ever get like extremely tired by the time it gets oh, to yeah. the race day? And you're like, oh, I got another day, but then it's the biggest event out of out of the yeah. last three days of preparation. Yeah. Um, how tight are the deadlines, for example? They're fairly tight. So there's usually one day turnaround. But I, you know, the more time you spend um, on the races, you sort of get used to, yeah. you, you get used to the hours, but you also get used to kind of, you have to, 
you have to know how long it's going to take for you to edit and yeah. you have to manage expectations. You need to say, I need two days for this because this is a bigger edit or I can turn it around just like you film something and then you run back in, you just plug in the SD card, edit a few photos, boom, airdrop to your phone and then they're out. Um, so it depends a little bit. You have to be very versatile and you need to work very fast. So I, I do spend a lot of time editing, but I think you run on kind of, I don't know, it's it's so fast-paced and you know, I think you just run on adrenaline a little bit. You you yeah. just go through it. You're usually more exhausted when you get back, sort of when you you're you're in it so much and then then when you you come back after a race weekend that's usually when it hits you and you're like shit or even like the past like couple months where not many people have we haven't really been like for example last year we were on about a 100 flight schedule um and so in between that it was it was like just adrenaline like you you don't know how you have the energy to to be traveling twice a week internationally Mm -hmm. in some cases but then once we had this kind of like four month gap you start to look back at it and you're like oh it was like kind of cool or you start to relive what happened um previously but yeah that's a that's cool to hear because um i know with videographers there's some people who spend weeks or months or even a year on on a project and they try to they kind of micro uh can focus on every little thing um but a very hard part about videography that i've found with uh working with different uh people from different industries is yeah meeting deadlines is uh is tough both in terms of filming and editing and in your space you're also filming on the fly like nothing can happen twice you have to be able to find that medium of capturing the best content yeah and like uh make it as versatile as possible um so like with I know with uh, with McLaren, you guys do like the Instagram side. You also do like YouTube, Twitter. Yep. Uh, I've personally found struggles between trying to produce for Instagram stories, Twitter yep. having to be 16 to 9, YouTube being 16 to 9, uh, Instagram video being vertical, but then IGTV allowing horizontal. How do you adapt to this many different oh file formats and editing styles uh, for each one? Yeah. Um... Yeah, sometimes I need to, I just have to keep that in the back of my head. It's like, I know, I usually know where the content, or sometimes I just ask, like, where do we want this content to go? Where is the best platform? Because we usually have, so we travel, it's usually a a creative uh, video person, then we have a social media manager that goes with us to the races. So there's usually two people. So I usually create and then I airdrop and i so i can sort of keep creating yeah. all the time and then we can send it over to the social media manager who send uh, posts and write all the captions and also creates themselves you know on their phone but i yeah it's it's difficult because it, it is uh, it's with all this portrait stuff it's you gotta keep all of that in mind at all times yeah. and and it's not just click and you know or point issue and and everything is 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 fine sometimes you shoot it in landscape and you're just like, okay, you know, I need this for Instagram swipe up or I need this for Instagram story. So I'll just have to crop it and just, you know, it's not yeah. made for, <laughs> you know, you haven't shot it in, in, in portrait. It changes too fast. You, yeah. But so that's what you have to work with. You know, you, you cannot be too precious with everything. Yeah. And I, I try to, it's usually more important just to capture the moment. And if, if I have it in my my head and if I get it in portrait, that's awesome. What I usually do, actually, I, I have a phone. So I usually have my phone and then I have my camera. And usually I stand and I film portrait on my phone. And then when I know it's going to be for both. And yeah. then I shoot normal on my on my camera just so I capture both at the same time. 
And I mean, you know, that's a workaround. Sometimes you got to do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. How do you do it? Like, how do you deal with it? Because it's it's so it's always it. Ju- you just have to uh, you have to reshoot it. You know, if yeah. you really want it in crisp quality and the perfect kind of. The struggle is actually trying to do multiple mediums at once because, like, at, at heart, video is our most important medium. Like, YouTube is the largest yeah. uh, channel out of our out of our uh, different platforms. So, mm-hmm. usually with uh, with tech, we'll we'll do a campaign and we'll film like the review on embargo and and maybe like get it early hands on. But then we go to the press conference that might be like say in Switzerland or whatever, and and I'm like just getting off the flight or or something, and it's the morning after. Um, it is somewhat live like where yeah i do the thing where you stand there and you're shooting video and photo and you and a lot of times i don't even know what i'm shooting on my phone and i wish i could just focus on one of them but um yeah we shoot both and then my phone has like must have like i think twenty thousand photos slash videos on there it's just all over the place um Mm. organizations all over we throw it into visco video and just do a really quick uh uh, grade on top of it, export it, goes on Instagram stories. Uh, and then we got to quickly take a photo horizontally where I'll have a staff member do that. And uh, that goes on Twitter and we're tweeting like the yeah. event live. And in some cases we're at an Android event. Uh, I know you guys uh, used to be partnered with OnePlus and yeah. um, we would have to tweet from an Android. You can't tweet from an iPhone in those ones. So exactly. you'd have to have another phone tethering off of this one. And it, it's a, it's a mess. And then you got to do photo and video. And then, um, and we haven't traveled with the red yet for a travel film, but I'm not looking forward to that. Um, oh, but before it was the one DX set up with the one DX three, the Ronin. And I thought that setup was already really heavy. Um, yeah. and once we had to switch over, once we switch over to the red for the main stuff, it's a, it's a whole other level of, yeah. of video is just, um, <laughs> there's so much stuff you have to, to bring around. And I'm kind of bad about like leaving stuff in different places, but yeah, in our case, it sounds, um, Yours is probably much more fast paced on the fly and more tiring because there's four straight days of it. But yeah. it's similar in some ways where we, we just it walk is. around with both things and just like try to snap <laughs> everything. And recently bought like a Fuji X100 just so we can take better photos uh, and in raw format instead of just on an iPhone every time. We just yeah, forget about, about taking photos a lot of the time. Yeah, I thought about this getting like a cage for my 1DX or another camera and just like have everything on it. Light, <laughs> microphone, you can put a phone up so you can you know do all the portrait stuff. The small rig one. I have that yeah. one, but there's something about it. I think it was uh, I couldn't small. access one of the ports or the battery. Oh, yeah, I couldn't take out the battery without, uh, yeah. I think, something yeah, I like that. I don't, yeah, I don't like the also having to spend, you know, minutes or 10, 15 <laughs> minutes setting up. And, Always you know, loosens. Yeah, you you it's it's not really that efficient, and yeah, I think especially for us, it's like all about efficiency. So that's why when I pack my gear, it's just exactly what I need, nothing else. I don't want to complicate it. And I think this whole thing about you know when it's it's you got to do all that. You said the whole thing about tweeting on an Android, and it's all about you know learning and sort of making mistakes, and then yeah. you you pick up you pick it up like. At some point, you just got to do it. And if you do it wrong, then you learn and you don't make the mistake again. Or if you if you don't have the option, you just got to roll with it and make yeah. the best out of the situation. Because if you only have one shot, then you want to get that shot. You don't want to miss it because then you don't have anything. So it's better to just capture it. 
Yeah. My only experience in auto, auto automotive uh, was actually, uh, I did Formula E in 2016 with uh, oh, cool. Jaguar Panasonic. Um, nice. It was one of those things where we, we emailed the company asking if we could borrow a car to film a video and they ended up just saying, do you want to come to that? And I didn't even know Formula E was a sport at the time, but it was in Montreal in the city, the yeah. street circuit, um, which is the cool part about Formula E, uh, the the whole like street circuit in the, in the cities. Uh, I know some of the Formula One uh, tracks are like that as well, but I, they kind of just said, do your social content. We've never done it before. Uh, and I, I actually dropped the camera five minutes before lights out the 5d no. Mark four ripped the sensor right out. Uh, so oh, I shot everything no. on an iPhone for that trip. No. Um, and then the second time was NASCAR and NASCAR was a little bit cool. more lenient in letting us, uh, stand like right next to the, uh, the pit lane and film while the cars were coming through and, and see all that. But there were still some restrictions, like not filming the inside of the car too closely, uh, just yeah. because of those type of things. Um, and I know there's like certain rules that they run over, um, for the media before you attend mm-hmm. those. But I think being there, the biggest thing I noticed was these cars are way louder than I think. And I have a friend, um, who used to drive in formula Renault, I believe. And he, I think he drove with Carlos at some point. Um, and yep. he was saying like formula one cars, like if, if you see it in person, it's just so much faster that you wouldn't be able to believe that a person is inside the car in it's person. Nice. Um, so I'm like, my dream is to get, to go to a formula one race, uh, someday, but <laughs> with what, what are you like allowed? Are there certain things that you're not allowed to film or oh, yeah. like they have to be careful of, um, just for competitive reasons, uh, with like all the other mm-hmm. teams, you don't want certain people aren't supposed to see certain things. Um, what, what are like the restrictions and how do you work around that? Yeah, there's a lot of restrictions. I think you touch on a really good point when you said the NASCAR thing. So I've been to, I haven't been to NASCAR actually. I would love to go on. Same formula thing is way uh, better. Yeah, yeah, formula but E I even also, was way better. Yeah, yeah but I also want to go to Formula E. But I've been to IndyCar and I've been to uh, f- uh, obviously Formula Formula One. Um, it's so different. Just yeah. IndyCar and Formula One, just that is very different. And the, the amount of access that you're getting is incredible. I, I, I still to this day say like the, I was to Indy 500, which is a massive race. Yeah. But I said that's the, that's actually the most fun race that I've been to. Really? Um, in terms of just the, the, the community, the amount of people, the access fans have, they're, they're next to the car, literally. They just walk next to the car while, while it's being pushed out. In Formula One, it's not, not like that. You know, you're, <laughs> you're in this paddock, you know, it's just, you have, you gotta have a pass to get in there. There's very few people there, the teams, and then there's, you know, celebrities, the media, and all Same that kind Formula of stuff. So e, it's, yeah. It yeah, was just so like they give you the way, VIP pass and then only yeah. certain people are allowed. Whereas uh, NASCAR, it was still like a like a guest pass with NASCAR. But I felt like, yeah, there was a lot of people who can take a look at the cars and all the team staff are just standing there and waiting for the race to start sort of yeah. thing. But yeah, I noticed Formula E was a little bit uh, tighter. You could We were able to walk mm-hmm. by the cars and stuff, but we weren't able to like stop and take pictures. Uh, there was always people like watching and stuff but it is very different like nascar is yeah, just like is. a very american sport uh, we went to the one in florida i believe last year um but the the formula e was definitely a really cool experience i wish i knew more about the sport at the time but it was mm-hmm. like a good it has a lot of similarities to formula one being part of the the fia but yeah that was uh indycar i actually don't know that much about um but i know mclaren yep. is part of it and uh we yep. saw that at ces they had the the indycar parked in in front of one of the partner booths um yeah and yeah, it's uh, that's <laughs> uh, That's super cool. Formula One is it, is like the street circuits are are ones that I like would love to go to one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so to answer your question, I I 
There is so much restriction. So first of all, IndyCar, they ha- don't have as many restrictions as, yeah. as Formula One, but Formula One has a lot of restrictions. So first of all, F1 sort of, they have their social media guidelines in terms yeah. of where you're allowed to film, when you're allowed to film, and especially surrounding the sessions. So during the practice sessions, um, qualifying and race, because it's kind of broadcast. Uh, they want to save everything for the broadcast. So that's where the story is told. But our job is to tell the story around everything else. So what's happening between the sessions, what's happening behind the closed doors. Yeah. So that's what we focus on. That's what we what we can do. So whenever the the race is on, you're not allowed to film out on the track. You're not allowed to capture the cars when they're on, on track. Really? You're not allowed to film outside. You're not even allowed to film from the garage out from the garage because you can see the pit lane, so you got to film in. So that's why. So that's a big restriction. So are you on the pit well, wall usually during the race, or no? So I, I'm I'm standing inside the garage usually. Oh. So I I sort of get close to the mechanics. I it's it's a little bit like a dance. You sort of have to because there's so much happening inside yeah. the garage, especially during a session. So you sort of got to move around. Now they after I've been there so long, they know where I am. They know where I usually stand. They just tap me on the back or they push me away, and and I'm kind of. I know what it's like to be in there, but in the beginning, it's very overwhelming because they move around so fast and they have to get the tires on. And if yeah. you're standing in the way, you're going to get moved. And, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's pleasant or not, but they have to do their job. So it's very sort of, you have yeah. to be careful when you're inside the garage. Uh, but then, so that's sort of the F1 regulations and sort of what you can and cannot do. But then obviously the team has a lot of secrets or, you know, how the car is built. So whenever the... the uh, chassis is sort of stripped and you can see the engine all that you you can't shoot and you can't film so with the time i've spent there i kind of know what i can and cannot do but there are always we always have filters so i always talk to the engineers and i show them what i'm capturing just to make sure that there's nothing sensitive uh, that i've captured because i'm trying to i'm a, they they joke around with me because i'm trying to push the limit all the time i'm kind of like i want to show shooting at f2 point uh 1.4 and having the <laughs> yeah, engine yeah focus. A, yeah <laughs> that's like a big no 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 but they so they so they they always say that i'm trying to reveal all mclaren secrets which you know to be fair i'm, I'm capturing everything yeah but they know they know that i'm allowed to capture everything sometimes they just say there's no point in you filming this because you're not going to be able to use this. But other than that, I, I almost capture everything, but then I sort of filter everything through and I know what I can and cannot show. And then, then I make sure that we show it to the right people so they can check it and censor check it. So is there always um, like a last uh, layer in the social team, like one person who watches it through really quickly before everything goes out to ensure, or is like the social guy in charge of, in charge of that? Yeah. So, so we usually do, so it's me, I obviously do the first kind of edit. So I filter through everything that I kind of think. And sometimes I try to leave things in that might may or may not be there. And then we show it to the social team. Then we actually, depending on what it is, if it's me filming the car, like specific parts of the car or specs on it, then, or I'm in the garage, then I always sort of want to show it to someone in the racing team and one of the head engineers or, For sure. um, and give them the, the filtered sort of the last say, because I, I don't know, you know, things on a Formula One car change between days. Every, every race, there are different parts on it. Every, yeah. 
you know, every weekend things change. They could be in the middle of the weekend, the floor change, uh, <laughs> things on the, on the front wing or rear wing change, you know, things all over. If you, if you're really close to a car, you can, in the beginning of the year and the end of the year, they're so different. You're like, how did they change so much? But it just, they just keep tweaking and keep testing and they just keep pushing sort of the limit on what it can and cannot do. And depending on the race, they also have to change because, you know, they're different, different um, environments. They're, you know, city track or it's warm or it's perhaps some tracks it's raining a lot or it's high altitude. So they have to change things all the time, which is, makes the sport really interesting. And you don't really see that because it's so yeah. complex and it takes time to get into it. On TV, once it you looks do, like... Yeah. Once you get into it, you realize that, wow, there's so, there's so much depth in it. And the car, you know, as I always say, F1 is the biggest team sport. You know, there's one driver, yeah. but there's a thousand people who build the car. So it's those are the people that are the whole team. And those are the ones that puts this together. And, and there's one driver that drives For sure. It. Yeah. We just got two more questions. Um, but yep. like, yeah, I think it's, what from watching um so i started out watching the netflix documentary and it showed like a lot of the behind the scenes but it also told a story especially in the first season mm -hmm. of like the dynamic between drivers the story behind each one and how they got there and sort of like the shuffling of different teams and uh and i think for anyone who hadn't watched any formula one it was a it was the best way that could have told the story and made it engaging mm -hmm. beyond when a lot of times before the only experience I had with formula one was when you're walking by a sports bar and you see some cars driving around on TV. Yeah, exactly. And when you don't know anything about racing, you're kind of like, well, it's just watching a car go around 70 laps. Like what's so exciting mm -hmm. about that. And I think, um, a lot of times when we see it on TV, we don't see the little changes in the cars, the cars flying around at like two, 300 kilometers an hour that, if they made a small floor change, nobody's ever yeah, going to notice yeah. it. Whereas the documentary may have gone a little bit, deeper into like some of the little tweaks that they make and the drama behind and like the crews and, um, and, and stuff and the team principles. And I know some teams were more involved than others in the first yeah. season. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, that documentary, uh, at least from my point of view, was a really good way of bringing a new generation of yeah. fans into Formula One and showing the history behind the sport. Uh, a lot of times with hockey, soccer and football and all that basketball, there's 30, 31, 32 teams in the league. And there's however many players each year that aside from like the biggest superstars, you don't really remember anybody else from five, 10 years ago. Whereas in formula one, the, the history behind it is still so important. Like I remember going back and watching some 1999 races and McLaren's history, Ferrari's history and all that stuff. And the stories of like the 2009, um, uh, the, the Braun F1 team with, uh, yeah. Jensen Button. Like, it's just cool that like, even drivers from the 90s and everything are still remembered and talked about and still involved in the sport today. How do you like the direction that, that Formula One is taking with media and what McLaren specifically is doing and how much creative control do you have in terms of how you approach the content? I know like uh, yep. what I really like about the Unbox series is that it is just like a, it's a cinematic experience, but also very raw and storytelling and, and essentially achieves the, the motive of a behind the scenes look that nobody else can get. Yeah. Um, so I love the direction that, first of all, I love the direction where the, where Formula One, the sport, but also where McLaren is, is heading. I, you know, maybe I'm biased, but I think McLaren is doing something that no other team is doing. Yeah. I think we're very, we're very different and we're every, I think the biggest teams, they have their kind of style to how they create content. And we, we've established our own within, 
the past few years. Um, and I really love that thing. So it's what I, what I said earlier, like, you know, we try to put the, the fans in focus, but I also, the whole unbox series go, comes from, you know, we, we, we look at, we've looked at, so, you know, so- soccer, how you call it, but it's actually football. Yeah. In North America, <laughs> they call it uh, soccer. Yeah. But so we look at, we look at a lot of those uh, sports teams and we, yeah. we, take inspiration from them but we we sort of tried to take their concepts and then make it into something unique and something that we 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 can create ourselves and the unboxed is such a great example of something that is so you know stripping everything back what is actually interesting about formula one and the drivers too gives it like a their personality i mean and mclaren has a great dynamic with carlos and um and lando who who seem to love being on camera and i'm sure that's a big factor and with uh, daniel coming in i'm sure that'll be a lot of fun uh his dynamic with with lando um so i think yeah like mclaren i think in the documentary in the first season it showed mclaren was at a point where there was a a bit of struggle and direction and then near the end of the documentary showed like what the future was to hold uh, with two new drivers next year and everything uh so as someone who transitioned into watching just last season uh i think it's been cool that in essentially every aspect mclaren has has done everything that they set out to do that they had talked about in that uh in that documentary both like on the track and then also the the media side of things yeah we have a so we you know we have this since Zach Brown came into the team, you know, there's a lot of changes that ha- have been made. And I'm, I'm, I mean, there's a lot of people that have, you know, come after uh, him. And I, I've been a part of that change that has happened. You know, the, we brought in some younger people and especially in the digital social team, which is a young medium. Yeah. And we, 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 I think we, we just trying to, put our our take on it and i to to sort of answer the question about if how much freedom i i have i think in the beginning it, i didn't have as much as i have now so yeah. it took time for me to i wanted to to take what i like and what i enjoy and sort of take my my truth and my heart and and put that into the team in in any way that i could and in the video content specifically I I wanted to create something that hasn't been done before at, in Formula One, yeah. and I think they were very behind. They now they're sort of they are catching up, but yeah. they are they were very behind in terms of social and digital and getting a young audience into it. The whole Netflix thing is a big part of that. Getting some new generation, getting more people excited about the sport, and we at McLaren we, we're trying to do the same thing. We're trying to get more people excited about the sports, more people excited about McLaren, uh, about our drivers and making something fun and exciting about it. Um, and we, I, I, I just, I'm not a, I've, I'm not a formula one. I've not been a formula one fan my whole life. I've, I've, I love filmmaking. I love creating videos. I love telling stories. So, even I haven't done any car stuff even before I started at McLaren, but I, I think me coming in with a fresh eyes and a, a view that isn't focused. I didn't even know any of the drivers. Like I didn't know any of them. So to me, it was I come in and came into this world which was completely fresh and new for me, which is good. And sometimes. I had like you have no yeah, which previous, is good. And yeah. I I even said that in my in my job interview. I said that that I I have no experience in this, but I. 
I think that could be one of my strengths because I I can see everything from a new perspective. And I hope sure. um, that I did. And now I think, looking back, I think that I, I also achieved that to a certain extent. I think I I got in and I just wanted to to show something different. And sure. that behind the scenes stuff is, is me just saying and shout out to um, Nick in my team who's come up with um, the idea. He he We just wanted to show... How, if you strip everything back and you just show the the basics of everything, no music, don't make it too fancy, just make it a cinematic experience where yeah. you can experience how it is like to be a track. And just, how is it? And that is where that came from. And then that developed sort of over time. And, you you know, sort of the more videos you create, the more um, stories and the more personalities you can you can sort of get across. And it starts with the drivers, but then... I also want to bring in the team. You know, the team is such a huge part of it. So who are they and how can they be a part of this whole team that you don't see? Because on TV, you just see the drivers. Yeah. It's the one person. But and they're the in the car is, most of the time on TV. Yeah, they're in the, <laughs> yeah. And then they're in front of the camera and they get a few questions. But yeah. how do you get the personality? And I just started observing, you know, documenting, yeah. observing. Don't don't overthink it and just let that happen. And that that is how we started with that. And then... The Carlos and Lando uh, connection, you know, they're they're hilarious together and they're, they <laughs> have a very good relationship. So that was very natural. And we started creating some fun videos with that. Um, and we try to not perfect things too much. We just let it make it let it happen. You know, observe, just create a good environment where people can show their truth selves and their their real personalities. And that's usually where. Um, most of our content kind of starts from it's just human and truthful and fan focused and, and that's what we try to do yeah and i think like your your filmmaking experience and and skills within that realm make it a better experience because i as someone who makes videos i i want to watch videos that look good and like the way they're graded like you pay attention to that stuff yeah. the hardest part with travel films a lot of times is you're filming a lot of b-roll but the story is the toughest part. And I feel like yeah. the medium that you guys have found with storytelling and cinematics uh, is is what makes it very different. And a lot of times with teams that have a lot of heritage or a long history, they're a little bit more stubborn to try new things. So I think it's cool that McLaren's like the first team that has been around for since like the, how, whatever, whichever year it was, um, that has kind of switched over to like a very young and fresh approach. And Lando obviously with like the streaming, um, how he, he goes on Twitch and everything is is like the the perfect example of a of a great driver who who also um is that that new generation with like the whole yep. uh, off season and um and the virtual racing. Um I think it's just cool to see where the where the sport is going, but uh, it's also nice to look back and see what's been in the past as someone who is new to the sport. Uh, the last question yep. that I have is, uh, what's your favorite track and why? To film or to or to attend? Um. Oh, because from the hard. outside, I really want to go to to Monaco, obviously. Yeah. Um, but from a driver's perse- perspective, um, when I asked my my friend Melville, he was saying that he loved like Suzuka just because it's like a it's like a driver's track. Uh, yeah that kind of thing but um i think so i i said earlier that i think indy 500 was one of the coolest experiences i had um which i still stand by but it was kind of a cool racing experience in terms of the track and where i've been there are a few that i love and it's usually tied to 
the track, but also the city. So the races where you're close to a city are awesome. So, you know, Montreal is awesome. Uh, Melbourne is great. I love Singapore, you know, street track, night, nighttime. That's awesome. And you live, you know, you walk to track. So you live inside the city and just walk to track. It's awesome. Um, Monaco is cool. That's such a, you know, historic track, but I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. Is it overrated Uh, a little bit? um, Because everybody wants to go to that one. (laughs) I don't think it's overrated. I don't think it's overrated, but I I don't, it's not my kind of track. It's like, it's very glamorous. It's like, yeah, (laughs) I don't think it's, yeah, I don't know. It's not my kind of thing. It's different. You know, everyone likes different things, but then I, I do, I do think Suzuka is one of my favorites because Japan is such a cool place. Oh yeah. You know, I spent, so last year I spent a week after Suzuka and I just traveled. So I went to uh, Kyoto and then I went to uh, Tokyo and I, that was my first time being in Japan. Yeah. And that was just a sick experience. I loved it. It's so different. Everything is different. You know, the yeah. people, the food, Wait, month it were you guys looks there? different visually. Sorry. Well, month were you guys there again? It was, uh, so we were there in October. October. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I went in, uh, I think I went in June or July, but it was so hot. Um, yeah, I wish I stayed for, there was a few destinations that we, that I wish I stayed a little bit. Uh, but yeah, yeah I remember there was that soundbite on social last year about, um, I think it was the engineer saying to Lando after a race, he was like, uh, you ready to eat some sushi? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get sick or whatever it is. He doesn't yeah. love fish. He can't I don't like it either, actually. I didn't, yeah. I didn't have any fish that whole trip. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think if I had to pick one, it has to be one, maybe Melbourne or Singapore. Melbourne. It's one of those yeah. because it's such. It just makes the whole trip like if you if you're in a cool town, it's like it's a good vibe. Then then you love it. Um, but yeah. Suzuki is also great because the hotel isn't as fancy as some of the other ones. But it just the, the town that we're in is awesome. There's this small bar the karaoke bar down the street the food is different it just makes it a cool experience so there's so many different races that have different you know positives and uh suzuka is awesome great street track but i think melbourne or singapore i do love canada like Montreal, I could live in Canada. Yeah, it's a lot like it. Europe, actually. Because um, yeah. I know the, the track is different from Formula E versus uh, Formula One in Montreal. Yeah. But the one I went to was in the middle of downtown and they did a street That's circuit. Cool. That was the last time they did it, though. The city didn't like it because it was really? just like so disruptive to traffic uh, and residents and everything. Um, it is crazy, yeah. Yeah, I think the one I went to must have been the last year they did it. They canceled it the year after. But yeah, the... It definitely has a bit of a, a diff- like Quebec in general is really nice. Um, yeah. In the, in the fall, it's, it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, Abu Dhabi also looks like a, a great track, but You're there's right. just so many, like 20, 20 destinations a year. It's, uh, with the amount of flying, I couldn't imagine, um, how much flying there is. Uh, I think, yeah, I think every single track has its own yeah. beauty. Like everyone is, is, is cool in its own way. And but Mons there is are close certain to the city ones. too, right? Mons Which one? Uh, Monza yeah. oh, is yeah. close to Milan, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, that's cool. How far it is? Yeah, I think um, to me, it's like there are certain ones that you you sort of want to go back to, and you're like, yeah. that was really that was really cool. But experiencing all of them is 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 amazing. Just every single it doesn't matter which one; it's just awesome. For sure, it doesn't matter which one. And like Vietnam, hopefully next year, it looks like a oh, yeah. pretty fast track. 
Yeah, I was looking forward to that one. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're not going to have it this year, but maybe next. Yeah, it's crossed. For sure. Yeah, well, uh, sorry we went a little bit over time, but um, no, no problem. thanks so much for sitting down with us and talking about the behind-the-scenes uh, scoop of the McLaren Formula 1 team. And uh, we'll be sure to put some footage over on the video version as well, whatever we're allowed to to use. Um, but yeah, that was, cool. uh, that was cool listening to uh Thank you for having me. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode and just gives us like a behind the scenes look of what it's like to be on the grid for a Formula One weekend. And that is like my dream job. So Henrik has been a great guest. We actually chatted for like an hour after that recording about like video gear and YouTube side of things. But thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode and I'll see you guys in the next one.